This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. And shoved by Hayda. Spurgeon's in. Delays. Shoots one. He scores! Jared Spurgeon has tied it. Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala cuts to the middle. Wade scores! Greenway in. Saved by Miska. Rebound. Erickson. They score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. And poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boya, and Justin Buck. Hello, and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. Originally, we were supposed to have Aaron Lowry, the Minnesota Wilds Twitter person, on our show today, but because of some monumental screw-up on my end, uh, we lost pretty much the entirety of the audio of our interview with her, um, which was fantastic, by the way. She's an incredible interview. Um, if, if she was an interview with Russo, I think he would like her. She's a great quote, uh, as he likes to say. But the good news is, is we are going to work to find another time to bring her on. We still have all your questions on file. So we'll get Erin on really soon. I'm sure we'll have a lot of the same conversations. She's super fun, but we won't have her today. So instead, uh, we're going to turn our focus a little bit to the wild and to prospects in preparation for Scott Wheeler of The Athletic, who will be joining us next week. But in the meantime... (laughs) Uh, guys, Justin, we'll go to you first because it started with you having bad luck and now it's on me. Zeke, look out, you're next. Um, <laughs> yeah. Justin, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm good. It's been a hectic day. It continues to be hectic. All right. Got uh, worked, broke my phone, got a new phone, podcast, and podcast didn't work out. So let's try again. <laughs> doing good otherwise. All right. And Zeke, how about you, man? Yeah, no, uh, pretty much same here. Uh, good as otherwise, uh, you know, like we just talked about, obviously it's a, it's a bummer. Our, you know, almost half an hour talk, like you said, with Aaron was, you know, basically deleted somehow. We don't know what happened. Uh, you know, as Brett said, there's a lot of good stuff in there that uh, you all would have really enjoyed, but uh, no, it's, uh, I mean, I'm happy to be here. Uh, there's obviously we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but uh, you know, the wild are back practicing tomorrow. So there is, you know, in spite of the bad luck we've had to, there is some uh, good things to, you know, uh, wildwise to be looking forward to here in the next like three, four or five days or so. Yeah. Uh, much like today's show, there's been some very up and down news. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but so we're just going to roll with it because that's basically what you have to do in times like this. So uh, we'll start off the normal way. Uh, Justin, we'll flip it to you first here for a prospect update. Uh, the Iowa wild began last week. So we've got some more prospect in action, which is exciting. Yeah. Sir, the uh, the floor is yours for, for the prospect update. All right, I'll kind of start it with, uh, I think this is where it started the day, is where Huznadinov got hurt. So yep. uh looks like he's out for four months with, uh, I think, a shoulder injury. He was, he was um, playing in a game versus Finland, and there's videos online of him getting his arm falling on, and now he's out for four months. So that's where... It wasn't a dirty play, just no. bad result. Right. Just, just yeah, bad luck. <laughs> And then we can't have nice things. No, 
But mm-hmm. the good thing is that he's young, just like Rossi. They're both young, though. They'll get past this. And then uh, not a whole lot really going on for prospects. I mean, Svetlakov had a couple-point performance on Sunday, as did Brendan, Brendan Minnell. So they continue to you know, play well in the KHL, especially Minnell. And then, like you mentioned, the Iowa Wild played. They went 1-1-1 versus Texas, Texas Stars. Uh, Sokolov and Dewar had uh, uh, Dewar had two goals each, and then Addison had a three-assist game in game one. Um, both um, uh, Dewar has four points so far, and then Beckman scored his first career pro goal, which is was cool to see. And then the only other thing I have for prospects is uh, yesterday the OHL sent a memo out to teams with a plan to restart. This will affect Ryan O'Rourke for us. It looks like they're trying to do a 24-game season in four hub cities starting hopefully around the weekend of April 2nd or so. Yeah, and with the ability for him to play in the AHL, I I don't even know if he'll go back or not, just with mm-hmm. the quarantining and all that. We'll see. But mm-hmm. either way, it's good to know that whether it's here, uh, or not here, in Iowa, or because he's not coming to Texas, what I know that for right. too young for that. But regardless, he'll be playing hockey, which we talked about is really important in a time like this. You 18, 19, 20 are just mm-hmm. these prime development years. Mm-hmm. Um, hoping that he's healthy because if things are trending right, uh, he'd be next on the list of 2019 draft picks to get hurt. So fingers right. crossed that the pecking order yeah. doesn't continue as it started, unfortunately, with Rossi. And then, as you mentioned, uh, Marat, who's in Dinoff today with the separated shoulder. Right. Um, because we, we aren't allowed to have nice things because we got Kaprizov and then we got COVID and then, you know, we had a, we, we finally got it. Like, and there was a point too, uh, I think we talked about this last week where, oh, we were about to get, you know, the Greenway, Erickson, Kaprizov line. And then yeah. like, then there was like a, the Fiala got, you know, yeah. his hit and then there was penalties and we never really saw the line again. And then ever since then, everything's yeah. been a mess. So but, we don't get to enjoy nice things yeah. here. So, but Hey, uh, Kalen Addison got put on the taxi squad. So yes, that's, that's we'll, good news. Uh, yeah, he uh, might get a shout out from someone later on the show. Uh, not, to, <laughs> Maybe. not to give away things for the end, but uh, all right. Uh, we'll move over now uh, to our analytics segment, which has gotten excellent feedback, which I'm really excited to hear because um, analytics are really hard to understand verbally, but from the most of the feedback we got, it seems like you guys like it. Um, I got an Instagram uh, DM today. I'm going to pull up the name because, um, let's see, Maybe. Um, I can't think of the name. Uh, let me pull it up. I'm going to pull it up. Give me a second here. Uh, from Sean Brisland. Uh, he's a wild fan out in Virginia that just shot us an Instagram DM saying he loves the show, loves the segment. So we really appreciate the, just a little feedback like that. Little DMs means a lot to us. So thank you uh, for listening. And uh, here's some more analytics for you. This one should, I think, be the easiest by far. So that's the good news here. Today we're going to talk about Corsi. Uh, it was basically kind of one of the first advanced analytics stats kind of used widely in the NHL. It's really simple and straightforward. And the fact that it kind of took this long to even be thought of is, is kind of surprising, but it's an advanced stat that uses, excuse me, that measures shot attempt differential while at even strength play. Uh, This includes things like shots on goal, missed shots on goal and block shots attempts toward the goal, the opposition's net minus, you know, the, the, what happens on the other end. So it's a different, it can be expressed a couple different ways. Um, that's Corsi 4, Corsi against, and Corsi 4 percentage. They're all pretty self-explanatory. Corsi 4 is the shot attempts for your own team. Against is how many the opponent gets against you. 
and then uh, the percentage is just the ratio of your team's attempts to the other team's attempts. So, for example, say the Wild were playing, I don't know, let's just do a crappy team for the purpose of example, uh, LA, uh, who they might be coming playing coming up here, and they have a Corsi 4 of 60 shot attempts, LA is 30, there's 90 total in the game, the Wild that's 60 of those, 60 divided by 90, 67% Corsi 4, and then as was the case with expected goals, anything above 50% is considered generally good, anything under 50% is considered generally poor you can count stats both for individual player so it'll count how many what the course he is while he's on the ice and then you can also count it as a at a, at a team level um most of the wild or the wild as a team i think right now we're sitting at about a 51 coursey four so not like great but they're still getting more shot attempts than the other teams which mm-hmm. is good um and then it does have similarities to expected goals which we talked about i think that was two weeks ago now um, but the best way to kind of think about like the, you know, the main difference is them is Corsi doesn't account for danger and is more kind of the focus mm-hmm. on qu- quantity over quality, mm-hmm. whereas expected goals kind of builds off of Corsi to determine, you know, so these Corsi's counting all the shots. Expected goal says, okay, what was the probability of that shot turning into a goal? So that's where they're kind of similar and different at the same time. So that's pretty much Corsi. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but mm-hmm. it's one stat I think, I even I think uh, Anthony LaPanta's used it a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. the, other, the other great thing to see, I know it's especially up in Canada, I've been kind of streaming some some of the Canadian division games here as they've been one of the few divisions still playing. Right. But um, I've noticed analytics are slowly kind of creeping their way in um, to NHL broadcast too, which has been really exciting. And I think this is one that you maybe have heard of before, maybe now hopefully understand it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? You guys have any questions about Corsi? No. no, I guess, I guess just the only in the thing was i think i heard you say that the wild are not terrible but not great either so that's also on par with per usual <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, pretty, I have the number here. <laughs> uh, they have a 627 course e4 598 course against 51.18 percent. i don't have where that ranks mm-hmm. in the league and that might and that's of course at five on five only so that could yeah <laughs> the power play penalty kill if it were to counter yeah. might actually change that because we know the wild you know they can't score on the power play, but it's not been from lack of time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I guess just uh, the last thing, you know, you mentioned that they've been using analytics more in the broadcast and people, I, you know, I've read some comments where people go on, well, how, why is that useful if half the people uh, that are looking at it, you are know, seeing that don't really know what it means. But I mean, I think that if, you know, if they just start putting those on the broadcast enough that, uh, you know, these stats will just kind of become like things that just people know that they'll just say, Hey, I know what, you know, I know what, what, what that means. So I, I don't know. I just think, uh, I think people complain about it. There's obviously all that, but I think eventually that's kind of stuff is just going to be kind of automatic for a lot of people. Yeah. And I, and I think a key to that is going to be too. And I, you know, I'm going to give a shout out to a Jay fresh here. Who's been really, mm-hmm. really good at creating how to visually use this yeah. data. And I think that's mm-hmm. been kind of the thing that's been missing. Obviously uh, Sean Tierney, uh, formerly charting hockey on Twitter um, was one of the best in the business that just, creating graphs and things just to help you visualize, you know, oh, very simply, okay, this is good, this is bad. Mm-hmm. Here's what the y-axis is, here's the x-axis, mm-hmm. here's what it means. And I think as as we develop a better understanding that way versus like, you know, a verbal explanation like this, being able to see it in effect, and then I, I think that'll help people learn. And I, that's been a big way they've brought it into Canadian broadcasts mm-hmm. so far as through that. But um, no, like I said, Sean Tierney, uh, Charting Hockey, uh, pretty much deleted all of his tweets, shut down his website, which I'm assuming meaning uh, he's probably going to an NHL team into their analytics department. So 
best of luck to him because he was one of my favorite analytics balls on Twitter. Bummer to lose him there, but a huge gain for whoever is uh, swiping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, Justin, did you have something to add? I think I might have cut you uh, off. I was just going to say, man, this has been good for me. Like, I still don't understand everything, but it's just something that just studying it, I will. It's just kind of like with anything. Like when you're a kid, you're like, okay, I don't understand offsides. What's two-line pass? What's this? Like the more you see it and hear it and, and you know, try to understand it, the, the more that, you know, you'll understand yeah, two-line pass is going to be a foreign concept in oh, yeah. five years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> eliminated that, which that was that was a good decision. Um, yeah, that'll show our age in the future. <laughs> <laughs> How does your age as a hockey fan? I know what a two-line pass is. Yeah. <laughs> Explain that one, millennials. Right. Gen, Gen Z, sorry, millennials know it's Gen Z. Like, that's right on there. So I'm trying to think. I don't know when specifically got rid of, but I know what. At one point when I was playing youth hockey, I believe it was still in effect. So yeah. I don't know what, I don't remember when it went away, but <laughs> like for those that aren't familiar, that maybe are a, a Gen Z that aren't familiar with the two line pass basically means a, you know, you couldn't pass it from your own zone to the other side of the red line. Mm-hmm. So it couldn't mm-hmm. cross the blue line and the red line, hence a two line pass. It's like those really nice stretch pass that send guys in a breakaway. You literally used to be illegal. It wasn't a penalty, Hot. but it was, oh, it was basically yeah. like, it would be like a high sticking or a hand pass. Like it would just be a mm-hmm. dead play, which like, Doesn't yes, it sounds sense. absurd, but yes, it used to be a rule. Um, Terrible rule. <laughs> very bad rule, but um, getting rid of it definitely helped uh, open up offense uh, a little bit. All right. So that's it for analytics. Uh, Justin gave the prospect update, which means Zeke, the floor is yours now for uh, this week in uh, Minnesota wild history. Yeah, so uh, for this weekend uh, in Wild History, there was a few different uh, options, you know, a lot better than this week because, you know, as we talked about last week, it's kind of getting to what normally is kind of trade deadline season. So a lot of their, you know, kind of big moves happen around this time. And uh, for this week, I'm going to go with a move that, you know, every every Wild fan, you know, is it's considered one of the absolute worst uh, trades that they made and probably the worst uh, trade that Chuck Fletcher made in his first year as the Wilds GM, but it was Take, took place on February 12, 2010, so 11 years ago tomorrow, uh, the Wild traded Nick Letty to the Chicago Blackhawks for Cam Barker and Kim Janssen. And, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's it was a bad deal. I mean, you just, I got the, the stats right here. Cam Barker only played 71 games combined with the Wild over the next two years, scoring two goals and 12 points. And then, obviously, I can't remember too much about Kim Yance, but I know he was a fine NHL player. But Nick Letty was a Wild's first-round pick the previous year, 16th overall. A Minnesota boy from Eden Prairie was very good in high school there, played for the Gophers. And they traded the guy uh, in Letty, who was their first-round pick the previous year, like six months after they drafted him, which, you know, is usually a risk, especially when giving up for a guy in Cam Barker, who even at the time had one good year in Chicago. He had, like, 40 points, then kind of declined. But... So, yeah, no, they made that trade. Nick Letty has been played 730 games in the NHL with the Islanders, Blackhawks. He's won a Stanley Cup. Uh, yeah, just just overall not a good trade. And it's, it's you know, it's another it's another one of those. Uh, it's, it's another reason why a lot of, you know, Wild fans, I think, are always very cautious, not, you know, especially about trading, you know, prospects or picks any of that. Because like you saw here, you traded a, a good top four defenseman who you picked in the first round for a guy who, fizzled out of the NHL a year later and is currently playing in like the second division in France. So yeah, yeah that one just, it never made sense. I mean, mm-hmm. just be, beyond even like, I, I think like the things you hit on, you know, he's a homegrown guy played yeah. high school, Minnesota played for the Gophers first round pick, like from a marketing <laughs> team standpoint, 
Yeah. That's a guy you just got to keep around. And they just yeah. they didn't. Yep. And yeah. like, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like I remember there was a, I can't remember if it, what it was an interview or it was a Russo podcast or something that, uh, that someone who was a new Chuck Fletcher was said that, you know, that was the, that was kind of his first big move, I think. And that was the one that he's apparently always said that, you know, I, I regret that one. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, it's, yeah, no, it's just not good. And, uh, uh, sorry, I guess, you know, it's kind of bringing down the mood here a little bit, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's no, okay. worse not, yeah no, it might, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> just, uh, not a good, not a good one, but, uh, you know, I had to bring it up. So. Yeah. I certainly remember that, I, that, yeah, I, I was pretty frustrated when that trade happened and I don't remember much about Ken Barker, but I remember Letty was, you know, kind of one of those guys you're excited about and. You know, even though Janssen had a pretty eh, okay career, I I don't I don't remember him being all that good on the wild. So it was mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it, it just it was a bad trade all around. Yep. I'm trying to think of like a comparable, like if the wild were to do something similar right now. Um. Well, you'd I'm have to. I'm trying to think of like, think of like a, or... yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to think of like a comparable defenseman to what. Uh. Like that they have right now, or just no, no, like, 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 like to Cam Barker, like, oh, okay, like, on bar, like, hmm, Jack Johnson. I don't know. <laughs> oh, hey, they almost, bad, but... <laughs> they almost got him. Don't you? Let's not forget. Thank you, Phil hey, Castle, another golfer. <laughs> Thank you. To think we could have lost Zucker oh, for both Jack Johnson and Phil Kessel or <sighs> the League. Oh my God. But instead, oh. the hockey gods were looking out for us, and we got Kellen Addison, a first-round pick, and Alex Galchenyuk, which mm. whatever. But we got Kellen Addison and oh a first-round pick, which could end up now being a lottery Jesus pick. Like Christ. just yeah, whew. like gotcha. how ups and downs, the ups and downs of Paul Fenton's tenure were. Yeah. Uh, well, something. It was like one good move for every like three awful ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it seemed like. I know. And it's like, hey, man, uh, just stick to the draft. And yeah. not first rounders. Uh, and treat people yeah. better, please. Just treat people. Yeah. Better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, well, moving on, moving on here, um, off the uh, the Cam Barker Nick Letty tragedy. Um, we, we we're moving on. We got to do. We've had to do it all day. Move, moving on. <laughs> Laugh it off. Uh, let's talk a little bit. Um, I was hoping maybe we'd have some more news um, regarding the Wilds' COVID situation uh, and their schedule. Unfortunately, there's not too much different to report last week from last week, other than um, the healthy players, who mm-hmm. as of now is like eight players, seven players, I believe, wow. from the opening night roster. Um, and anyone who's removed from the list um, tomorrow will be able to practice at least. So, um, I believe that list as of yesterday that could practice was Dumba, but I believe he's still hurt. I don't know if he'll be skating or not. Uh, Kaprizov, Greenway, Hartman, Kakinen. Fiala. Fiala and there was some uh, I had the tweet somewhere, but mm. anyway. I was I've said it on Mark could, already. Like that Fiala suspension was a blessing in disguise in terms of what happened. Yeah, it seems yeah. that way. And I almost like I don't know if we ever heard it, but I almost wonder if maybe Kirill had it at one point and we just didn't know. I mean it's certainly possible i mean because yeah. i mean and if he I, hasn't put that dude in like one of those like clear hamster ball yeah. things yeah 
Bubble He's blow. Away. Put him in an actual bubble. Precious cargo. <laughs> but I mean, on the bright side, like, even if the Wild, you know, if they have to come back without some missing players, at least they're going to... Oh, uh, Parisian Sud were the other two. Um, I just thought of it. But at least they're going to have, hopefully, all things considered, we'll have Fiala and Kaprizov, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as for the blue line, different story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Justin, as you mentioned, Callan Addison called up to the taxi squad, which we are assuming means that it's not official yet, but he could be called up to the wild. Um, Dakota Mermis and Matt Barkowski, I believe, are the other <laughs> two. Uh, so I think that puts him with, which, I mean, the way the wild blend is now, it could be, you know, three, two of them, could be all three of them, might be one yeah. of them, depending on who's cleared. I think Russo tweeted today that there's a potential, I believe it was Felino and Johansson. And then I think... He also included that I think uh, Bukestad and Benino could potentially, if they're off in like the next day or two, which who knows. But yeah, so yeah. those guys could be coming off, which is good that guys are hopefully coming off soon, which, mm-hmm. you know, is a good sign that hopefully we'll be back to hockey here sooner rather than later. Yeah. I believe as of now, um, the ga- their next game against uh, Anaheim on the 8th, is it the 20th? Wait, did, did, the one the next, game, right? Yeah, the next game we can play is uh, that that's not postponed as the 16th. Versus uh, LA. Okay, the season thing is LA. So mm-hmm. five days from now, so a lot could happen from now until then. We'll see what happens. Um, if you read uh, the interview with Garen, it sounds like he's not opposed to having more time. But I think the the big reality that sets in here, I think, and it seems to be mm-hmm. kind of expected at this point, which we talked about last week, is the likelihood of every team, probably outside of Canada, playing fifty six games should be at this point pretty much a distant memory in that points percentage is probably the way to go just a heads up for our listeners so you can be educated ahead of the curve stop looking at where the wild in the standings and look at their points percentage mm-hmm. um, that's probably what's going to come down to that said um the the west division is probably the one that's actually kind of shaping out i think how most people thought it would with the top four like literally shaping out in order colorado vegas mm-hmm. st louis minnesota and then you know some combination of arizona and the california teams rounding it out which as of now is, is how it stands so I thought it was pretty crazy how many games we'd missed and we were still sitting in a playoff spot. <laughs> yeah. It's because every other team's missing yeah, games too. That's it's true. Just mm-hmm. That's very true. I don't think anything's come of it as of yet, but it was just the other the thing that was odd to me was we you know, um Anaheim and Vegas were playing the other night. I believe mm-hmm. is Vegas one of the teams that's supposed to play in Tahoe too, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah. 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 And then um Thomas Noshik of the Golden Knights was pulled out for the second period for a COVID test. They then finished the game and then said, yeah, we're still going to play the next game too. And it's like, remember when Marcus Foligno got tested? And it's like, oh, it's just yeah. him. The rest of us are mm-hmm. fine. And then all of a sudden now it's like five Avalanche players and like basically the entire Wild roster has COVID. Mm-hmm. Like, did we learn nothing? What happened yeah. there? Like, like at worst, like, hey, what if? I mean, at that point, you probably can finish the game because everyone's already out there. But after that, like, cancel that one game, you know, make sure everyone tests yeah. out for, you know, whatever, two or three days instead of having to cancel, you know, six games in mm-hmm. a week. I haven't heard anything come of yet, so it seems like in hindsight they made the right call. But it just right. to me, it's just yeah, the way they're handling it is is questionable. But I mean, I guess it could be you know I don't know I don't want to, I don't want to get political or anything, but just it was an odd like it just seemed like there was nothing from what had happened mm-hmm. um, with Buffalo and New Jersey, Minnesota, and Colorado. Right. But yeah, I will I will say they did them. Um, uh, I don't have the tweet up, but uh, Elliot Friedman did, and some other people tweeted out that they uh, sent basically revised protocols with you know more strict measures to the players' association today. So mm-hmm. you know, I guess they finally are doing what they should have been doing, you know, the whole time. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's 
it just sucks because, I mean, you think about that, like you like you said, if the Wild and L.A. had not uh, played that first game after Felino was positive, like teams probably would have missed a game or two, like at most. I mean, if you would have, if, if you would have, uh, you know, just stopped playing for a day and then come back. But, you know, there's nothing we can do about that now. And uh, like like we just said, it seems like that uh, some of the guys that are coming back now are getting healthy. So, uh Hopefully that's good, and uh, hopefully these uh, new protocols, you know, that they're kind of starting to send out will help, you know, stop spread between teams and all this and just, you know, just keep everyone safe and keep the games going on schedule. And I think uh, I brought up Tahoe, too. I, I think they're making plans for that, too. I, th- I think if Boston can't go, I think they're looking at maybe like Philly or someone as a replacement. Um, mm-hmm. Boston can't play, so... That's where we're at with with uh, COVID, but um, the good news for the Wild is it seems the worst of it appears to be over, and that they're uh, back on the rise of, of back to health. Um, mm-hmm. So we're just hoping that we continue on that trend. Um, no more players added, and hopefully no uh, long long term effects. All right? Yeah, we for certainly sure. don't want to see another roster situation out of anyone, whether it be a you know prospect no, or a, a player on the roster. And then someone on the taxi squad has it too, Peruso. We just don't know which player. Yeah. I mean, I, I would think we could probably assume it's one of the three that we're subbing in, so probably one of Mayhew, Raul, mm-hmm. or Johnson. We just right. never know that. Yeah. That, that doesn't make any sense, though. Why? No. Like, people, like, they're players of the team. Like, these guys have all played games with the team this year. Why aren't they on the list? Like, Unless maybe it wasn't someone that, I don't know. But Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, you know. It's weird. It I don't is. really care the way. It's just odd that you, hey, we'll tell you yes, but also no. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> again, moving on. <laughs> um, kind of, I don't know if it's happy news or sad news, but um, the next little bit we'll talk about. Um, Miko Koivu officially announced his retirement from hockey after playing seven games with Columbus, basically citing his game just wasn't where he thought it was or needed to be to help the team. It wasn't fair to himself, wasn't fair to the team. But also, Columbus has been a shit show, so who knows if that's the actual reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to speculate too much on that. I want to keep this conversation on Koivu and not the Blue Jackets. If you want to read about the Blue Jackets drama, it's pretty much everywhere. At this yeah. point. Right. Uh, but uh, I think we, we, we gave Miko Koivu plenty of spotlight, I think, um, in the offseason. But I just want to touch on it again quickly as he's officially uh, called out a career. Yeah. Well, I guess... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Justin. Um, I would say, it's, I mean... From the article I read, like when he was in the press box on his when he had COVID or whatever, and he was like he didn't really feel like he needed to get back out there, whatever it was. Like he didn't have the itch or you know, basically that type of thing. It's like you know certainly understandable, and you know he's not the player he was and wants to be, like you said. But you know another side to it is you know he's got those young boys and a family that you know being away from them and being, you know, as a, as a father, I, I get that part of it and I respect it. And, you know, I just, you know, hope to see, you know, his, his career further, you know, down the line, like whatever he chooses to do, like I hope it's in a wild front office or whatever, but, you know, it, it'll be good for him to get some time with his family and, and kind of just take a break and figure out what he wants to do. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the case for most guys that retire. You just say, hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. You you just gave your life to the NHL for yeah. Koivu's case, basically, whatever, 19 years, essentially, 20 years. Um, take some time to yourself, whatever you want to do. But, Justin, as you mentioned, um, there's no better place I could think if, if hopefully he wants to come back. Um, I would want him in, in a role where, like, 
there isn't pressure on him to right. like please wild fans. So like yeah. yeah, oh gosh, like I don't want him like not necessarily as a coach. I don't like as a scout maybe yeah. like in Finland, but like just like in some sort of, like player development or something. I think would be like excellent for him. But I just don't want to see him in a spot where he can get fired. I guess that's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I could see Miko Koivu being forced to part ways with the Wild the second time. Um, the, mm-hmm. the first time was enough for me. I don't want to go through that um, <laughs> again. Um, and the final thing, I think we touched on this uh, in the summer, but we'll talk about it again here briefly. Um, we'll just get a quick 15, 20 seconds from each of you. Uh, should number nine go into the rafters at Excel Energy Center? Why or why not? Well, for me, I say yes, uh, because, well, like we talked about, uh, when you think of the Wild, he, uh, Miko is one of the very first players you think. Uh, on, on NHL.com, there was an article there the last couple days that where the headline was essentially someone said, I can't remember who it was, but they said, when you think of the Minnesota, you think of Miko Koivu. And uh, I personally think that he very well deserves to have his number nine up there. And I know there's people who will say that that's, you know, celebrating mediocrity or celebrating not winning the playoffs. But I think that's just plain wrong. But uh, yeah, no, he uh, definitely deserves to have that uh, honor uh, with his number up in the rafters as soon as we can have uh, fans back in the stand to give him that uh, kind of, you know, honor and that also that send off that he didn't get uh, this past season. Yep. Tony DaCosta was the one who had oh, okay. uh, the rough mm-hmm. into the equipment, cool. I believe he's the equipment manager or is he a trainer? One of the two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the exact quote I have it in front of me is because it like it, it was how the article ended. Dan Myers wrote he's the Wilds okay. uh, Wild scribe for for the Minnesota Wild yeah. the organization. This was the quote from Tony Costa. Overall, he represents the Wild. He's the face of the Wild. Costa said, being being captain as long as he was an original draft pick and everything. I think he's basically the Wild. When people see that logo, they'll remember Miko Koivu. And that just like hit me deep in the feels when I read it. Like, <laughs> yup. Uh huh. Justin, what are your thoughts before I go on my mini rant here? Oh, I'm I'm in the same boat. I know there's people on both sides, but I certainly feel like his his number needs to go in the rafters. I mean, he he was loyalty. He's you know he had a good career with us. He's you know a franchise leader in so many different things. I I just you know Selkie Cannon every year. He he may not have been been in the playoffs and won, but he didn't really have teams around him to do it. I I just I don't, I, I'm, I'm all for his, his number getting retired. And, you know, of course I named my son after his name. So I'm a big Miko fan. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm self-proclaimed one of the biggest Miko fans out there. So this will come off biased for sure, but I don't care because I'll die on this hill. But like for me, it, what Miko Koivu, what he did on the ice doesn't really have any impact for me and why his jersey should be retired. You look at like the wild come in as such an interesting team because they're a, you know, they're an expansion team. They came in the league when there was already 28 other teams there. They come with Columbus to make it 30. And it's, you know, you see people, well, so-and-so had this Hall of Fame career and -and so-and-so won this many awards and this many cups. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, you know, they played in leagues with 15 teams and when scoring was through the roof. And it's like the Wild came in in a complete different era of hockey. And for Koivu to basically be here, you know, drafted year two Mm -hmm. and then to stay through basically year 19, basically year 20, and through and through, you know, seeing, I mean, Russo points out, he played for every single coach and every single GM that's ever been a part of the Wild. The only player to do so. He wore the captain, long, you know, as long as any any other Wild player. He was one of the longest tenured captains in the league with guys like, I think it was Crosby, Taze, like guys that are probably going to, whose jerseys probably should be retired for their respective teams. And it's it's not about the honest accolade. It's what he meant to the organization and to the wild and to the state of Minnesota as a whole. And just 
that he always led with class. You know, he was the first one to, you know, be upset at a loss. We heard him go after guys last year like Fiala, but it was, you know, you hear nothing but respect for him. To me, that's what it comes down to. The statistics and the Selkie snubs and often the seasons and leaders and all the other franchise categories just make it even more of a case. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. He, he was a builder of the wild in Minnesota, like at the Hall of Fame as like their builder categories. Um, people that get in, I, I think that's where Miko Koivu falls in Minnesota hockey, at least in yeah. my mind. And mm-hmm. to, to me too, like to see another player ever in wild history where the number nine would just feel kind of like a gut punch if it's not Miko yeah. That's just, that's just like, the thought of that makes me like angry. <laughs> yeah. And I know people, pe- people's argument against that is like, well, why should his not retired number be up there with guys who were number nine, like Gordie Howe and all this? It's like, who cares what other, what the other teams are doing? Like, I don't, I just don't get the notion that it's bad to celebrate a guy that's, it's not celebrating mediocrity. Like, like Brett just said, he, he was loyal. He was hardworking. He, you know, he wanted to win. He hated losing. Like, I don't know why those are bad things to happen, why you wouldn't want to celebrate those things but uh i don't know it's like you said it's just uh it seems like every time you know as much as much as a lot of the fans do love him it seems like every time this topic gets brought up or whenever he's in the news for something there's always you know at least that fourth of like the comments or whatever or the talk is people who just have this never-ending vendetta against him which will never make sense Rip the sea. oh god yeah huh? we I, yeah no, no it's yeah but overall it's been been pretty positive so yeah that's for sure i'm keep my fingers crossed and when that day inevitably comes if i have to pay 500 dollars for a ticket to that game you can bet bet i will be there so Uh, miko koivu long story short congrats on an excellent career thanks for everything you gave to say to hockey and we hope one to see your jersey in the rafters and two maybe to see you back here in some capacity um, when the time for you to come back to hockey um, in, in the next capacity is is right. So, right. guys, anything else on uh, Koiva before we move on here? No, the only thing I, I was disappointed about, it's kind of a different gear, kind of going down a rabbit hole for a second, but I was supposed to have a meet and greet with him the day before, like, the pandemic canceled everything, and, like, I was going to get a picture of my son with him, like, Miko and Miko together. I was kind of like, finally, and then COVID. <laughs> canceled that so i was excited to really do some of this stuff in person again and, and just give him the, the kind of send off that he, he would have deserved you know yeah and i think that's a big thing too is just to just like the thought in my mind that he hasn't gotten a send off from the state of hockey mm-hmm. it, it's tragic mm-hmm. you could just see too like when they lost that series to vancouver like just the way he was looking around and mm-hmm. you could just tell that that was it in minnesota for him it's like oh right he didn't deserve to go out this way. Like, yeah. yeah. So, it, it'll be fun, no doubt. Uh, maybe it's something we can ask for Aaron. Aaron, I don't know if she'll be able to to dive into it much, but yeah. maybe, she can give us a, maybe she can give us an off-the-record hint or something. Right. Um, all right. Uh, pivoting gears now, we're going to talk uh, prospects, NHL draft. Um, we'll move into the wild stuff last year. Wild prospects. Let's shift quickly here. Uh, this is something that was planned in our original show tonight, so we'll stick to it. And that's kind of the state of the uh, 2021 NHL draft. There, what could happen with it is in flux. Uh-huh. Who the top prospects are is anyone's guess at this point. Like there's kind of a consensus, probably like top 10, but mm-hmm. that order, good luck. Um, yeah. I've seen, I think as many as probably five players at number one at this point, uh-huh. um, which is both a 
good and a bad thing, I guess. Like, there's no, like, to put it in perspective, like, I wouldn't say there isn't a Quentin Byfield and Alexi Lafreniere, uh, Jack Hughes, Capo Caco. Like, there isn't kind of that clear, like, one, two in this draft. It's, mm-hmm. right. and actually, there isn't like elite, and it's probably not, and that's probably because I don't think there's necessarily like elite talent per se, but it's a lot of like higher end talent. So I think it's very deep in the sense that there's going to be a lot of, you know, top six forwards, top four defensemen, but maybe not, you know, that true elite wing, maybe that, you know, staple number one center, like picture a first round of like all kind of that, like Marco Rossi, Alexander mm-hmm. Holtz range uh-huh. is kind of more where I see it, but I'm sorry, tangenting there, but let's, before we talk about the players, let's get back to kind of the scenarios. So I don't know, I'll flip to you guys first here. Have you kind of heard of some of the scenarios and if you want to outline them a little bit and just kind of your thoughts on them, otherwise I can, I can take a few. I can, unless EQ on it, I can outline it. I kind of wrote it down. If, yeah, you can, you can go ahead, Justin. I said, basically, I mean, if, if it continues, um, basically they're saying if the, the draft continues in July, teams will have like a pretty extensive lack of information for the eligible prospects, kind of what you said, Brett. Um, you know, they any any of them have hardly played a season, so it, you know it's it's tough to even like figure out an order. You mean you got yeah? Essentially, if they're not playing in the NCAA or in yeah. Europe, they're not playing or they haven't played yet outside mm-hmm. of maybe the World Juniors. Yep. It sounds like the league is discussing moving the draft back to the summer of 2022. Uh, basically, in this scenario, uh, two drafts would potentially be held back to back in July of 2022 with. The 2021 eligible prospects selected first with an order determined by the 2020-2021 final standings. And then the second draft of the 2022 eligible prospects determined as usual by the preceding season's final standings. Uh, this is something that still needs to be approved by the NHLPA, but it, I mean, it, it certainly makes sense. We, I want to see a draft because I love the draft and love seeing new prospects come in, but it's kind of unfair to the prospects and the and the teams. Like, there's no scouting, like limited scouting going. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of want these guys to be able to prove themselves and, and teams to get the proper information they need so they can take the picks that they want. Right. Like, you look at guys like from last year's draft, like um, I think Jack Quinn, Seth Jarvis, Jake Sanderson, guys that you know started the year like kind of off you know either late mm-hmm. first round or off the first round radar and all of a sudden they all vault up into top 15 picks because of awesome seasons they had and I think that's kind of something both Justin as you mentioned not only that you know teams are worried about I've heard it's coming from the agents as well like hey these yeah. players represent I want them to get their fair chance to be evaluated and you know in a prime year like when they're you know 17 and draft years that's where some players can take that really big leap like we saw with those three I just mentioned so like you said, Dustin, as much as it would suck to have to wait a year, I think it makes sense from a lot of standpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, the logistics of it, kind of like it, it'd be weird to have two drafts. But like from a from a fan standpoint too, like uh, no yeah. draft this year, but like two drafts next year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they take as long as this year, I mean, that's going to be like a five day process. But yeah, oh, gosh. and also interesting to see, you know, if they, well, I think they'd have to, but just it'd be interesting to see, you know, too is all right now teams maybe hoard, you know, picks for two years. And how does that affect, you know, oh, we're going to give you, you know, our 2020 third round for your 2022, whatever. And all of a sudden those picks are now really close together. I think it, it could make for a nice, interesting wrinkle in trading too, which seems to be lacking. But 
yeah, I think it's really interesting to see um, what could pan out. Another option I think I read a while back, which I don't think goes into as much traction, but I've even seen him like the thought of like combining the two draft classes, which I'm not really in favor of that. Uh -uh. I think that kind of screws over the teams that have, you know, done done their diligence in rebuilding and like Mm. the wild and the younger teams like Montreal and stuff that have acquired picks for this draft and the next draft. It's unfair to those teams all of a sudden, oh, now two years worth all of a sudden it becomes deeper and all these other teams that traded away picks all of a sudden have a, have a shot at, you know, a player they maybe otherwise wouldn't have had a, had a shot at. And I will on the, I think there's, I don't know, we haven't mentioned it yet, but I think the couple other scenarios that I've seen thrown around is, uh, I think, I don't, I can't remember if this is for sure, but I feel like I was listening to another podcast. Maybe it was 31 thoughts or something where one of the, like, you know, maybe half dozen options was also to just do like the first round or something this year and then cut off yeah, I, the I rest of them into age I groups. 31 thoughts. I'm, I think I know mm-hmm. what you're talking about, which by the way, yeah. is awesome podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. Yep. So yeah, de- yeah, definitely go listen to that one when you get a chance, but no, it's, I think, you know, I, I, I think I agree with Brett and those other options. I think the best would be to push back to 2021 is just uh, the most fair for, cute. yeah, it's the most yeah. fair for everyone involved. And uh, you know, I guess just lastly, I just want to bring up another thing is that uh if they did, if they one of the other options I heard that if they decided not to, to not do anything and just keep doing the draft this year was that they could potentially have like a sort of like combine tournament or something where they bring you know a certain amount of the top uh, prospects into somewhere in North America. I don't know exactly where, and then you know basically showcase them. But then again, even that, it's like, well, what are you going to play them for five games? Like you're not really getting. Uh, much because i mean obviously these these scouts they don't just uh, they don't they don't just simply go watch the games i mean they get to know the guys the players as people you know what they're like off the ice on the ice in the locker room all that sort of stuff so no i just i agree with you guys i think uh, uh, it's definitely the most uh, fair option for everyone if they push it back a year and to me if if everyone's on board management players draft level players agents it seems like a no-brainer so obviously nothing concrete yet but we'll something we'll monitor but Assuming that there maybe is a draft coming, and like I said, there's a lot of you know question marks about who is where, but and you know the, the pipe dreams we can start them now. But who are some players? I know we've we've hinted at some that we like, but just maybe in that first round, if you know a little bit of poking around you've done that you guys really like or you think might be a good fit uh, in the Wild organization, uh, Zeke, Justin, I do a lot of the prospect talk, so uh, we'll go to you first, and then to Justin, and then I'll wrap up. If yeah, okay, um, so. You know, I just obviously just kind of thinking right away that uh, I, I think Pittsburgh came back and beat the Islanders tonight, I believe. So just an update for all the Wild fans out there. But I Damn. I have a hard time. Yeah, I know. I, I, as much as I want that pick to be higher, I have a hard time believing the Penguins will just fall off. And I also don't think the Wild, unless, you know, these COVID or injuries or stuff have pile up too much, I also don't think they'll you know, are likely to be picking in like the top seven, eight, or even the 10. So I'm kind of thinking of guys in that 10 to 15, 20 range. And the one that, uh, you know, if you, if you listen to any of our draft coverage or followed me on Twitter this past year, you know, uh, probably my favorite and most talked about prospect was a goalie. And it's probably gonna be the same this year with uh, Swedish goalie, Jesper Wallstedt, I believe is how you say his name. Uh, yeah. if you, okay, cool. So I know he's, uh, I think he's got the good side. I think he's like six, three, something like that. So he's got size. He was, 
He was one of Sweden's goalies at the World Juniors this year. Uh, they did uh, seem to go in favor of the older uh, Hugo Almafelt more, but uh, Wallstedt was, you know, seemed really solid in the few games he played. And it's been... I thought he looked better than. Yeah, oh yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree. I think they just, you know, were going with with their kind of view of they wanted the older, more experienced guy in there. But no, he's been very good in the SHL. You know, as a rookie, as like a 17, 18 year old, and even played a few games there last year. So I know Brett, you've talked about him a little bit on Twitter, but I think he'd be a good target in like that kind of the teens range there, especially since the wild will have, you know, multiple first round picks this year, assuming they don't trade any of those away. Yep. He was the name I was going to bring up. And I know it's like, Oh, well, Brett's the anti first round goalie, which is true, <laughs> but it's different when you have two picks. Cause in my mind is now you can take a gamble on yeah. one of those picks. And then if, you know, you assume pits, if you have two from that 10 to 20 range, take one of the goalie and then take another one out, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. else. I don't think packaging them to move up, especially this year, makes any sort of sense. So why not take the goalie and and take the chance? You know, I think we for sure. It, it seems like just the way I've heard things talk about it doesn't seem like they see Hunter Jones as a as a number one. And mm-hmm. I think from what we've seen from Kakinen hasn't suggested that. You know, I think we know he's an NHL goalie at this point, but to think he's a number one, I don't think is is the case either. Um, so there's the need's still there, and um, you know, I think his much like Askarov, he's probably here sooner than later too. Um, how soon I don't know, but with the you know I didn't think Callen Addison would play in the NHL this year either, but um, now that might happen too. So yeah, that's that that's like I'm not we're not in the locker room, we're not you know the development coach. We don't know when guys are ready, but yeah, I think that makes in uh in an excellent uh an excellent case there at, at number ten. Um, Justin, who's someone you like, or maybe even even if it's not where the Wild might pick, just you know a, a draft crush that you might have that you know if, if the miracle happened that the Wild could get. Um, personally, I mean, I think it would be, have to be kind of a high pick, but I guess it just kind of depends. Maybe, you know, we kind of take the two first rounders that we have and trade it up. Um, but I've had, uh, ever since, you know, kind of like the, the world juniors, Matthew Beniers, he's, he's kind of my, my draft crush at center. He's playing at Michigan right now, but you know, he had, he looked quick and he, you know, he's a center. We need centers. And I, I just feel like he's one, one draft crush that I have. Yeah, I think he's a draft crush as mine as well. And he's he's a name that since the World Juniors has really started to kind of shoot up the rankings. I think he kind of started started before the World Juniors was kind of right on, like where the oh. Wild would be picking rest, presumably kind of that 8 to 12 range right. where they always seem to pick. Um, he's now, um, I'm looking at Corey Pronman's most recent rankings. Um, he has a number two. I yeah. believe I saw another list out there. I can't think of who was off the top of my head where they had veneers at one. So it, it seems like he's moving into that conversation of kind of a consensus probably top five pick for sure, but right. if things fell right, I think he'd be awesome. Obviously, we know there's some chemistry with Boldy, which you know even further makes that a little bit more yeah. exciting too. Um, U.S. born, playing over at Michigan, Big Ten. I got right. nothing against Michigan, so that's not an issue for me. It's not like he's from Wisconsin or anything like that. So, yeah, um, yeah I think he's an excellent pick. If, you know, he's, he's kind of that, that pipe team, but hey, we thought Rossi yeah. was a pipe team too. Right, that's true. Um, and look how that turned out. <laughs> so, you never know. Um, I kind of like a couple of the Michigan guys. Yeah, they got a couple. Uh, Kent Johnson as yep. well, um, and then uh, Owen Power, I believe, who are yeah. I think all three right now are kind of you know right in that top ten conversation. Right. Um, I'll go last here. Um, couple that I like. Interesting one is uh, Atu Ratty, who kind of coming into this year was you know kind of seemed to be like oh, he's the next number one, and he's kind of fallen a bit, but he's now kind of falling into that that ten range. And I I think just because a guy's fallen doesn't necessarily mean he's bad. It's maybe just He's not as good as people thought he was, but it still means he's very solid. He's a center, six foot two, fills a need. So I think he'd be a really good top six guy. 
Um, Chaz Lustich, similar situation for the national development team. Uh-huh. Center, six foot, one seventy two. Uh, more more of a skill guy, really soft hands. So I think could be a good fit too. So I and and there's you know like like you said, there's Wallstat, um, Brant Clark is like another guy that could be there. Like I think there'll be a, a player of need, whether it's a center, or defenseman, or even a goalie that they should be able to find. Presumably wherever they end up picking, um, but we'll see. Um, we'll we'll continue to watch that, see how rankings change, and keep you guys updated. Of course, if that gets pushed out the next year, we'll put that on the back burner. But um, until we are otherwise, we'll we'll cover that. Uh, briefly here as we did today so guys anything else on um draft scenarios or or, or, uh 2021 uh potentially 2022 uh draft picks here before we move on no i think uh i haven't looked into it terribly enough i mean i know a handful of players but i I think i'm good yeah same here i think uh, i think we just kind of got we just had a good uh you know kind of little preview of it all right, so let's move into uh, a segment that seems to quickly be becoming uh, a listener favorite as our uh, State of Hockey Amateur and Pros of the Week. Uh, I, I don't think I've gone first yet, so I can start us off here. Um, we'll go amateurs first. It's a guy I've brought up several times on this show. I'm going to go to the stash himself, uh, Kellen Addison. Um, as Justin mentioned earlier, three assists in Iowa season opener against Texas. Um, as much as I hate this stat, there's not a lot out there for AHL stats. But um, Addison does lead the team with a plus five rating through three games. Um, as a reminder, we did get him from Pittsburgh in the Jason Zucker trade. Um, was recently ranked third in Scott Wheeler's prospect rankings. Um, and then, as we mentioned earlier as well, just recalled to the taxi squad. Um, and he's got probably the best, the best mustache on uh, the Minnesota Wild the organization right now. So he, he's my pick. Um, Duheim and Duar right there with, with four points each, but uh, a, a three-assist performance to me felt like it warranted uh, some recognition this week. So it's more of like an amateur of the day, but uh, but, but for the week is, is the award, so that's what he'll get. And uh, a chance we could see him here in a wild uniform much sooner than at least I thought. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, I don't know. which. Who, do you guys remember who went first, second, last week? I don't remember. Yeah, the yeah I don't know. Go ahead. All right, yeah, okay. Man. Yeah, I'll go. So for my uh, amateur of the week, state hockey amateur of the week, I'm gonna go a little, uh, another little bit of hometown guy here from Maple Grove, but uh, uh, from so from Maple Grove High School, uh, Kyle Kukinen, who is their best player. Who's been, he was very good last year in the seven games played. He had 18 points, but then I think he had some sort of leg injury that took him out of the rest of the year, and he did not play at the state tournament. But uh, he's along with the rest of the team had a very good start uh, in the first eight games, recording 11 goals and 20 assists for 31 points. Uh, and, uh, you know, as of now, uh, Maple Grove is ranked, I think, number one in the state double A. So and I also do think if I remember right, they announced plans last week that right now they are planning to have a section state tournaments for boys and girls hockey. So that's obviously good to hear for all them. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, I don't know. Again, it's just another little kind of it's a little biased, obviously, hometown. But it's uh, cool to see you guys uh, around here, especially that I went to school with uh, doing well. And I, I also believe he is a. An eligible prospect for this year's draft who is committed to Michigan Tech. So you know, he's he's had a very good start points wise at least. Yeah, well that's pretty impressive yeah. what you said. Thirty one points in twenty games. Yeah, I mean that's... to 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 be fair, uh their competition, at least right now, since they're only playing in conference, is not uh that great. But uh There's some good teams not anyway. Blaine, oh, yeah. Centennial. Yes, they... uh is white. White Bears not in that one, are they? No, no, no that, they aren't. They got like Andover yeah, and Andover, uh, Anoka. And, yes, and uh, I think Elk River too. But uh, yep. I mean, they did. I think they beat uh, Blake eight. To, oh, Blaine eight to two and Centennial seven to one. So 
I don't know. It's just it's cool to see, I guess. I mean, the top team in the state. So, I mean, by that mark, I mean, every team should be, you know, what's yeah. per se, right? But yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that's regardless of how good your team is and who you're playing. I mean, 31 points in 20 games on the best team in the state is still still oh, yeah. pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, so, you know, there's sometimes are those, you know, those kids in northern Minnesota who, you know, those games are like nine to eight night. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, they put up hundreds of points. Like, yeah. But I mean, it's how, how good is your team? <laughs> Yeah. I, I played some teams up north in high school and it was games I always look forward to because at the time we weren't very good. It's like, hey, we could be competitive. And mm-hmm. now, of course, my school is like nuts. And I think we're like on the outside of the top 20 looking in. I think we're like probably in that 20 or 30 conversation. But mm-hmm. I like to say I, I laid the groundwork for uh, for the dynasty to be set up. So. <laughs> that's that's my claim to fame. We got good after I left. Maybe we were the problem. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, hey, All right, you're so- a northern team boy here. So you watch yourself. <laughs> all right uh justin who was your amateur of the week um surprise i'm gone with the umd bulldog Um, (laughs) yeah pretty much uh from hermantown he's a tampa bay lightning draft pick and he's uh, a fast player like they need more of those um junior winger uh cole kepke last weekend uh he Versus Miami, he scored a hat trick on Friday, and then uh, he followed Saturday with a one goal, one assist performance. And he's uh, a top four in the nation in shots on goal, and has 18 points on the season, uh, eight goals in the past five games. So he's starting to really heat up for UMD, which seems to be something UMD does the second half of the year. It's their time to shine into the tournament. We'll see if it happens this year, but. You know, they're really playing well, and he's uh, second on the team in points behind Minnesota Wild prospect Nick Swainy. So he's, he's starting to heat up. Uh, we almost went three for three with the homer picks. Um, Dryden McKay had a shutout in this, had a shutout going into the third period against number eight Bowling Green coming off a shutout on Friday, but ended up giving up a third period goal. Um, so I, if he would have got the back-to-back shutouts, I would have gone with him for the second yeah. time in, this, in, in four weeks on this segment. But um, I, I thought I'm still going to give him the honorable mention this week because um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, man, K doesn't play anybody good. Well, they just he just went and allowed one goal um, to the number eight ranked team in the country through two games. Yeah. My Mavericks are up to number three in the country and one again tonight. Uh, they were down one nothing to Alabama Huntsville and then scored four and answered and won four to one. So. Good to see again another Dryden McKay game with one or fewer goals loud. <laughs> nuts with him, the Hobie Baker. Also, shout out to uh, to Hoppy on the uh, Soda Pod who gave uh, Dryden McKay a shout out on their show. Basically, simply saying he has one of the best like hockey names of all time. Yeah. So, which hard to argue that. But thanks for the shout out, uh, uh, Hoppy, if you're listening. So I did hear it. So I appreciated that. Have you guys? Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Hey, sorry, we're, now that we're talking about amateurs, a high school player. I know there's all this talk about Hermantown, double A, triple A, whatever, blah blah blah. Um, did you have you guys seen Zam Plant? His numbers this year? Uh-uh. No, I, but I know they're very good. I'm pretty sure he's Derek Plant's son, and he has 34 points in nine games, nine, 19 goals, 15 <laughs> assists. Like Jesus, Hermantown is like blowing teams out of the freaking water. Move they, up, Hermantown. They, yeah, long overdue. They just beat my alma mater, Duluth East, like. Five to one the other day. I'm like, yeah. They 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 beat a double A powerhouse and remain in A. F off. Yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting because uh, yeah, I have a family lives up there and who went to school yeah. there and basically from what I've 
heard is that the you know they they won't say it, but you they probably just want want to say this so they can you know keep winning state championships. But uh, yeah, and like like Brett said, it's it's the argument gets uh, weaker and weaker pretty much every year and every game. <laughs> yeah, I I don't get it. And the, the the bigger thing for me is like I don't know how if it's different this year with being in conference and different things. Yeah. But like the past couple of years, they've played majority major uh, a majority like double A schedule, and then you know go beat up on these southern schools like Marshall mm-hmm. and stuff in the state tournament. Like that's come on. Yeah. You know you're good enough. Move up. Prove it. They just beat Duluth East. Like they're a you know usually a, a top sec, a top team in seven double A with you know Grand Rapids and Cloquet right. and. That's where my high school used to play with seven double A as well. So that's the section I had to go through when I was in high yeah. school. And, you know, I can tell you it's a gauntlet, but I won't get into the Duluth East home ice advantage at Amsoil, but that's a different time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I get them. Hermantown move up, but uh, some high school hockey coverage today in the show. All right. Uh, pros of the week here. Um, I will go first. Um, a ret- it was really hard this week. Hmm. Um, to pick pros of the week because just so many teams weren't playing. It took, you know, we're trying to, you know, there's already a, a few number of Minnesota players to begin with. And then on top of that, our pool, you know, drops 20 players because the Wild aren't playing, so we can't choose a Wild player. Um, so I did have to do a repeat, but um, I'm going to go again with uh, Justin Hall of the Toronto Maple Leafs who scored his first goal of the season last night. Um, if you listen to any sort of Toronto media, he is basically like, they're like knight in shining armor there right now. That's not like, that's not a forward. That's not a Matthews or Marner. They just mm-hmm. love him right now in Toronto, which I think is pretty cool um, to be a Minnesotan and, you know, be shining in the biggest hockey market, arguably in the world in Toronto. Yeah. Um, but uh, he had a, you know, like I said, he scored his first goal um, of the year last night. Um, leads all Toronto defensemen in game score with 0.84 um, on the year. Also uh, leads her team in expected goals, four percentage at a, a nice uh, 56.33%. Um, again, he's a Minnetonka grad, four years at U of M, and he's got just an unbelievable salad on his head. So <laughs> I, got, I got I got the stash and and the salad. So I got all the all the hair guys, uh, whether yeah. on the face or on the head, uh, for my amateurs and pros of the week this week. So got, uh, Zeke, got, I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say, you oh, got go the mop. I, was, I was just gonna make this stupid joke. You got the mop and the broom. Yeah, <laughs> Cleanup duty. <laughs> All right, Zico Stina. Okay, so uh, for me, uh, this this Canadian team has been shining, uh, kind of in the news and on hockey Twitter for kind of the wrong reasons. But uh, for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, Brock Besser, uh, who is you know we as Wild fans we know all about him, but he's had a very good start to his year in the sixteen games. He has had nine goals, six assists, fifteen points, and I believe he's had three or four multi goal games in between there. So. He's had a very good start to year after, you know, kind of last season. It wasn't, I mean, he was still good, but, you know, he didn't put up the same amount of goals and the points as people were getting used to. And, you know, for whatever reason, there was even seeing a lot of, on Twitter, a lot of Vancouver Canucks fans, there was seeing some starting to, you know, turn against him. And there was even the thing, oh, we should trade him for defenseman and all this, which, you know, never really made any sense. But, you know, even though the team isn't doing too well, uh, Bester is having a very good start to the year. And it, know, it's just good to see another Minnesota guy uh, having a good start to the year in the NHL. Yeah, Vancouver is really interesting case right now. We talk a lot about Columbus being in the news, and it wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me if Vancouver's kind of that that next team up because there's just some really bizarre things happening there with the way the team's yeah. been managed, with mm-hmm. um, you know w- what the team is saying, um, like Hughes and Pedersen and Besson, like they're all scoring, but like 
as much as mm-hmm. they're scoring, they're getting scored against too. Yeah. Um, like Quinn Hughes, I believe is like, I want to say like dead last in the league and like goals against like not plus minus, like when he's been on the ice, other teams scoring Besser's down there too. So it's like, it's just, it's, I don't know what it is. It's just something weird that's going on mm-hmm. with that team. And um, it sounds like could, it sounds like it, I was listening to uh, the PDL cast with Dmitry Filipovich today. He had uh, two Vancouver media members on the show just talking about their team and basically just like, it could be that, you know, the management doesn't trust the coach. And then as mm. a result, the coach can't motivate the team. And then because of all that, the players aren't trying and it's, you know, well, if they fire the coach, is it really going to solve anything at this point? Cause at this point they have a 7% chance of making the playoffs. And is a coach really going to be able to change that much? Or is this Vancouver team is what it is. And then they have salary cap, but they don't have players they can move. So like they're at this weird, like, uh-huh. yeah, you know, it's, I almost think like it's really a similar situation to like, uh, the wild end was it like 2018 maybe when they mm-hmm. just kind of had like some bad contracts and it was like the, the fire mike yo years kind of like i'm getting reminiscent of, of that mm-hmm. same kind of, of yeah time. it's a really interesting team but but regardless like you said brock besser has not been uh has not been lacking in the uh, offensive production department at all yeah for sure so. all of a sudden that jewel erickson act pick isn't looking as bad <laughs> But, yeah. I mean, it, it just shows, like, just the different types of value players can bring. Obviously, Besser, the mm-hmm. offensive force, but Ewell Erickson X has been one of the most dominant defensive oh, yeah. players in the league mm-hmm. this year, too. So that's why, I always, that's why I hate player comparisons, because, like, what do you want to compare? Mm-hmm. Very difficult conversation. Who's better? Well, it depends. What do you look yeah, What's the situation? Do you need a goal with a minute left? Do you need to win the game with a minute left with a one-goal lead? If I need the goal, I want Besser. If I want to protect the lead, I want Erickson X. Like, it, yeah. it's situational. But anyway... We're tanging a lot on this show, but that's fine. We deserve it after the night we've had. Uh, Justin, I think it's your turn. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever it takes to get through this hectic part of the day that we've gone through. Uh, thanks for Judd Brackett, too, from Vancouver. But anyways, um, <laughs> my, my pro of the week is going to be Jake Gensel, Woodbury, uh, Woodbury native. He scored one goal, one assist in Saturday's loss versus the Islanders. They lost 4-3, to three, but nonetheless had a good game um eight points in 11 games this season for pittsburgh and just continues to be one of their you know better players beyond malkin and crosby yeah i think he was kind of my second guy i had in mind as as a pick but again it was was so tough this week there wasn't like a real standout professional minnesotan this week just because the lack of games and you know, the teams that didn't play seem to have all the wild players too, or not the wild, the Minnesotans too. So, yeah, but mm-hmm. that's going to happen some weeks and we'll have to, we'll have to dig deep. We'll need right. to find some creative ways to pick people um, when that comes around. But uh, I don't know. Um, we probably could end here, but um, let's just go a little bit longer here. Cause we skipped over some that I want to touch on. Um, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the show, we do have uh, Scott Wheeler from the athletic coming on next week to talk about the Minnesota wilds prospect pool which we promise we won't botch. We are going to not use Zoom anymore. Um, <laughs> nope. So if you have a suggestion for a way we can do a four-way communication, not via Zoom, and record it, let me know. Um, looking for ideas, but um, we're not going to go through the Zoom heck again because um, we lost in with Erin, who was so gracious. She will be joining us again. Um, she's awesome, by the way. Um, yeah. Thanks mm-hmm. for putting up with us if you're listening to this, Erin. Um, but... Um, I kind of just wanted to like lead into that a little bit to maybe give us some more time with Scott um, next week. Just talk a little bit about kind of the rankings here um, and just, you know, maybe things that surprised us, things that um, we liked, disagreed with, things of that nature. So when we get into it next, we can really have, you know, hopefully Scott do 
most of the talking. Um, let's start with kind of just the rankings. Is there, um, let's just go through the top five first. Here. I'm going to pull it up um, quickly here. I believe one was obviously Rossi. This mm-hmm. didn't include Kaprizov, by the way. Yeah. Um, he was considered ineligible because of his age. So Rossi was one, Boldy was two, Addison was three, uh, Hovanov was four, and five was oh, Ryan O'Rourke. So mm-hmm. is there was there any surprises in the top five for you guys? Well, I would say for me, I was a tad surprised that uh, Havanov was still ranked in top five. Uh, I know there seems to be kind of differing opinions on him. Like for, at the Athletic, uh, the Athletics other prospect writer, Corey Pronman, uh, I don't think he was on his recent rankings of uh, NHL prospects was even uh, put on like the list in the top 100. So I don't And from reading other things, you know, I, I was guess I was a little surprised that he was on there. I mean, obviously we know his skill that he's a great playmaker, has a hard shot. And but and then but obviously there's been the, you know, the kind of the discipline issues and other things that have kind of held him back, including, you know, kind of got him demoted from the KHL to the VHL. So I was a little bit surprised to um, uh, see him there. I mean, he's been producing well, like in the VHL, but like, it's not like it's been spectacular either. So I guess I'm just, I guess I've been kind of unsure how that'll translate, but he's obviously skilled, but I was a little surprised that he was ranked that high still. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Like I, I had faded him a little bit. I think in my personal ones, I think I had him fall. I think Kaprizov out now. I think he would have been at either five or six for me. So it's a, like mm-hmm. it's, it's not a massive difference, but like like I think a guy like Adam Beckman for me had had passed him up. And, yeah, I agree. Um, there was some. I think there might have been one other player. I may have maybe. I think I might have had Husandinov above him too yeah. at this point. But yeah, he was definitely kind of. I think out of that top five, his was the name that really stuck out, especially to come in at number four. Mm. I guess for me, I was kind of surprised that O'Rourke was at five. I guess, I guess it's partially because, you know, we haven't seen him play or been able to the witness his games because he's really not played this year, um, because the OHL has been playing. But you know, he's, you know, the more I look at it, the more it makes sense. I mean, he's kind of got that hard nosed old school type defenseman. You know, he's a a big time leader. Uh, he, he captains his teams to the Sioux Greyhounds, but uh, I figured players like Beckman and, and Husnadina would be ahead of him too. But. Yeah, um, not to give away too much of Scott's article because I really do want you to go read his breakdowns, but um, his last little statement is um, said, uh, he's not going to run a power up at the next level, but I see a rugged two-way value in number four, five D ceiling, which like just kind of like the more I hear Ryan O'Rourke, it just seems like like he could be kind of like a very similar player to like a Carson Soucy. Yeah, it's kind of like 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 maybe a, like a little bit more of a physical version of Carson. So like Soucy brings that mobility, I think where O'Rourke maybe brings a little more of the physicality. But like yeah. maybe even like kind of a an in his prime Ian Cole type almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which and Ian Cole's been awesome. So oh yeah, he is. He is. All right. So, anything else on the top five here before we move into? We'll we'll just go each set of five here and just kind of break down each set of mm-hmm. five and and put mm-hmm. them in preparation for Scott. Uh, I'm good in the top five. Yeah, All right. Ahead. So the next five were uh, at number six. We had Murat Huznadinov, Adam Beckman at seven, Kapo Kakinen came in at eight, Vladislav Firstov at nine, and then at number ten was uh, Sam Hentges. Is it Hentges or Henches? I think it's Henches. Henches um, at number ten. Um, any surprises in there? Maybe a player you thought was higher than you thought, lower than you thought. Um, I think Beckman was kind of the one we all kind of alluded to earlier um, at number seven. I think pleasantly surprised was uh, Vladislav first off because, you know, 
we always, you know, like in previous shows, we said, don't take the World Juniors to heart. And you're seeing him kind of blow up at UConn, and, and he's in a, a top 10 prospect position, according to Wheeler. And it's just, you know, kind of neat to see, because if you go by the World Juniors, you would think he'd maybe down at 20 spot or something. But no, he's he's playing well at UConn. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I don't know. If, uh, this is a question I want to ask Scott um, next week. But like, yeah. if, if there's a particular player that he's higher on than kind of the consensus, and I think to me, I think first off might be a name he brings up if we were to ask yeah. him that question. Um, and again, it's we hear this all the time, but like skating, yeah, kind of been his knock, um, and that's kind of what he notes here too. He said he's going to have to find a pull away gear to maximize his potential and become a top nine notch in the NHL someday. But he's already been a already impactful borderline dominant college player and it's exciting to ponder uh, what he might look like as a 21 year old uh graduate graduate i'm fairly confident the world juniors are more of a blip uh than a warning sign which i believe we we talked about at right. length in this podcast so go us um for Ooh, yeah. uh, for pointing that out uh in ahead but yeah i think to me like what 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 i think when i see first off is maybe a guy that's maybe more of a project uh-huh. so you know, he's not going to be like Matthew Boldy where he could come in as soon as this year and maybe be an impact player immediately. But a guy that maybe, you know, following college graduation and then a year in the AHL comes up as, you know, a 22, 23, 24-year-old and makes, you know, really solid impact. But I think, like, the way the while they're training, I think they like having a physical third line, you know, so maybe he's like becomes a scoring fourth line guy, maybe like a Hartman type. Yeah. Um, or he maybe he, you know, finds his way into a, a scoring third line role or maybe he a complimentary winger on the second line. Like there's a lot of potential. I think he could be a guy that could just be very versatile. He's not small. He's six one. So like he's, he's good size. So I think he, if, if he can like Scott's, he can find that next like gear. It could be just a, a guy that can just kind of play up and down the lineup and it's kind of wherever you need him. Cause he's kind of versatile in mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not, let's talk about Beckman because I think if there was a, a prospect in the wild pool, that's the most divisive. I think it's probably Beckman and mm-hmm. the flip side of the coin from, you know, if Scott were higher on a player, the consensus Beckman might be the player he's lower on than consensus. I think yeah. most would have probably Beckman top five, top six, uh, seven to me was a little surprising, but like the guys above, I'm like, I think like O'Rourke was probably the one I maybe have at seven. I'd have who's Dean off and Beckman above them. But yeah. um, what do you guys make of Beckman? And um, at seven, do you like the spot? Do you, do you see the argument there? Uh, what, what do you think? Well, I would say I can see it both ways. I don't think seven is ridiculous, but uh, I also am a little bit uh, more with Brett here that I think he could probably be a spot or two higher. And I mean, obviously he, you know, he scored 48 goals and then 32 the previous year in the WHL. So we know he can score. He's a talented offensive player. There's, I've been kind of seeing a little bit of variance to this in people who, you know, he's played in obviously in his first couple of AHL games with the Iowa Wild, and he did score a goal in those games. But I've seen some people who will go, you know, his skating is something that needs to be worked on. And some people who think that, uh, you know, they think the skating's fine. And I've seen some observations early on that he's looked, you know, fairly good in that department. But I don't know, I guess just uh, can't remember. I believe his name's uh, Byron Bader on Twitter. He does like these, you know, those uh, point projection charts where yep. he uses historical data to, you know, project out players. And I think his uh, data or model or wh- whatever it is exactly uh, is 
been fairly high on a guy like him because he was I think he was kind of a you know he came into the WHL later as a rookie in his draft year and had a solid but fine year and then kind of you know and he's what he's been basically saying that is guys historically like him you know ten, who haven't exploded their first year after being drafted like that tend to be good so no I, I'm I'm definitely with you I think he could be a couple spots higher for sure yeah just anything to add yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. Uh, you know, he was, you know, when we drafted him, he was kind of an unknown. And like, you know, Wheeler mentioned, he's kind of a late bloomer. And every year he seems to improve and improve. And, you know, I personally, uh, I, I can't remember which one you said it, but I'd have him ahead of Hovana because, you know, mm-hmm. even though he's playing in the, the, you know, over in Russia, it's, I don't know, I, I just, I, I just see him above Hovana, maybe, maybe a spot or two higher here. I haven't. I didn't get to watch as much of the Iowa Wild as I had hoped um, this past weekend, and I, I think Justin, you mentioned I can you can buy the subscription to watch all the games for whatever, like, like thirty bucks 30 or whatever. Bucks or something. Yeah, which I will probably do that because um, I would like to watch just some of these prospects a little bit more. But again, like Beckman, similar to first off the knock seems to be his speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scott notes that you know from what he could tell from the Canadian um, selection camp for the World Juniors was that the pace seemed to be a little bit faster than what maybe Beckman keep, could keep up with, which makes sense. I mean, obviously that, that jump from juniors to the next level can be steep. So I just kind of want to see what he looks like um, in the AHL. The little bit I saw of him, he looked fine. Um, but like Scott notes here, like a middle six scoring role, second play power play usage. I think that's a really fair, I it, it feels like a safe projection. Yeah. I, think, I think the key the key part is, again, we've talked about this before, it's going to be a third rounder that likely makes the NHL, which means it's it's a good pick no matter where in the lineup he plays. Right. And for all, like in the way the Wild move around lines and stuff, I mean, he could be a top-line winger, bro, we know at some point. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it obviously, like his, which we don't think we talk about enough here, but he, he's got a really good shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably of all, like one of the best shots in the Wild prospect pool, probably, maybe arguably even one of the best, the best, um, goes to Beckman, which, again... <laughs> Knowing right now the power play could desperately use, especially that oh, second yeah. unit, and he could use some punch because right now that second power play unit is just mm-hmm. um So potentially there in the future as well, but lots of exciting players here. Um, all right, we'll kind of go quickly through this next range because I think once you start to get this range, it can kind of go in direction. But um, Jack yeah. McBain comes in at 11, who I think is a guy that we've all talked up as a guy mm-hmm. that more people should be higher on, so it's nice to see him there. Um, Pavel Novak um, at number 12, who I think might be a guy that kind of continues to rise here the more we get to see of him as he's still really young. Damon Hunt at 13. Philip Johansson sneaks in at 14 um, on the come up. That's a guy I definitely want to talk to Scott about next week. Um, and then at 15 is another defenseman, uh, Marshall Warren at Boston College. So any names stick out to you in there? Anyone you want to touch on real quick before we uh, before we wrap up here? Into the final, final five. Kind of, you know, a little surprised to see McBain ahead of, I mean, I'm trying to tap into the next five, but ahead of like Nestorenko, but uh you know McBain has really had a, a good year this year i could see that side of it too like he, he seems to continue to improve and you know uh it's nice to see johansson up up where he is too mm-hmm. yeah i guess for me uh you know like you said uh, McBain is a, he's a good player i think he's you know he might not be more than like a bottom six forward but you know for a third round pick if he's if he you know, continues to develop, you know, as a kind of bigger 
and I mean your kind of third, third, fourth line-ish center, that'd be good. But for me, I guess the guy that kind of interests me on here, especially is kind of is Pavel Novak, who I believe he was the Wild's fourth or fifth round pick this last year. But uh, I, he was, you know, he didn't score a ton at the World Juniors, but there was a couple times, including one of the, I think the goalie scored, which is a really nice shot from kind of a tight angle. But he did seem to show and pop some offensive skill mm-hmm. every once in a while. And, I, you know, I've read a few different places that, you know, skating again with him, you know, like any late round pick is they're a bit of a project, but uh, I don't know. I just think he's kind of got the, the little bit of skill that if they, and I think uh, Scott mentioned this here, but if they can, uh, you know, if they can keep him and, you know, be patient with him and develop him in their system in a couple, within the next, you know, two or three, four years that I think he intrigues me as a potential uh, NHL player in the future too. Yeah. Kind of a, a sneaky pick. And like you said, Scott mentioned, he might be a little more of a project, which you look at all mm-hmm. the wings ahead of him might not be a bad thing. Like it's, yeah, I think that that's the benefit of having a really deep prospect pool is, you know, we saw what happened you know, when the Wild maybe had to rush guys like Zucker, like Coyle, Granlin. I mean, you can argue whether or not they were NHL ready, but when you have a nice, you know, you're going to have established wingers, hopefully locked up long-term in in Fiala Kaprizov. You have a Matt Boldy, and then you add in maybe an Adam Beckman. Mm-hmm. If who's enough plays in the wing, if Rossian's up on the wing, whoever, you're going to have, you know, you're going to, and then you've, you know, I would assume at this point Greenway is probably going to end up in the long-term plan. And then you're going to fill out you know, those other spots with you know fourth-line guys, depth guys. It really gives you a chance to develop those younger players like a Pavel Novak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and best you know, best case scenario is he makes in the lineup. Best case scenario, too, is, hey, this guy's an NHL, we don't have a spot for him. Now we can move him and get you know fill a need somewhere else. So mm-hmm. that's why I said it's never bad to, to draft a lot at one position because you're either going to get a guy that fits or you're going to get a guy you can move to, to fill another role. So yeah. um, I'm – like Scott, I'm very excited to just kind of see what he becomes because, like you said, we, he was an underage or 17 years old last year, so barely even draft eligible um, and, and, and was noticeable and had a decent you know world junior for being one of the younger guys out there too. So curious to see his projection, but he's a guy that I could see in time, you know, looking back being, yep, we were probably too low on, on Pavel Novak. And then uh, Philip Johansson, I think we, we gave some some due diligence a couple weeks ago so to go too far into him, but uh, I think we'll, we'll we'll get Scott's opinion more on him. But um, just if if he thinks you know this offensive explosion is maybe more a sign of growth or maybe just age or what, but um, we'll see. Mm. I, he he thinks he could top out as a third pairing type, which you know isn't ideal for a first round pick necessarily, but the fact that he could still make it isn't bad. Right. Mm. For sure. All right, and then the final five here, uh, one of them just we talked about, we have Hunter Jones at 16, Mason Schott at 17, Nikita Nestorenko at 18, Philip Lindbergh, who we gave some love to last week at 19, and then uh, Ivan Ladnia uh, rounds out uh, the top 20 here. So got any names you want to talk about here? Um, no really surprises for me here um, no. too much. but I, I was just happy to see Lindbergh was on the list. and I, I, you know, I talked about it last week, but... I think next year you could see him jump even further because he'll be the the number one at at Massachusetts. So, uh, just you know, I almost think I'd want to talk to Scott about him about that a little bit. He he kind of mentioned it in the article, but I, I just think he he's another guy that that could j- just shoot up the the ranks for our prospects next year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think like like you said, Justin, he you've talked about him a lot on the show, but he's been very good in all three, even in limited time. He's been like extremely good. If you look at his numbers uh, in college, so if he keeps that up, I definitely think they'll at least probably sign him. But I guess for me, uh, 
I hope you guys don't mind, but I think the guy that I'm interested, I don't, I guess I'm not sure if he was, yeah, Scott must just not have thought much of him, but the guy that I would kind of want to touch on here quickly last is a guy who's not on this list, but uh, in Connor Dewar, mm-hmm. or Dewar, I don't know how you say his name, but he's, uh, you know, he was a Wilds third round pick a few, couple, two or three years ago. He played in the WHL for Everett Silvertips for about half a decade there. Uh, and, you know, he was, he was pretty good. He didn't put up a ton of points as a rookie in the NHL, but he was, you know, pretty solid uh, uh, in limited time in the AHL his first pro year and has had a very good first couple four games uh, with four points in his first three games. And I've been re- listening to Russo a lot in his podcast and stuff. He and seeing what uh, Iowa Wild coach Tim Army and others have said, that it seems like that uh, Dewar is a guy who they think is going to be an NHLer. Uh, he's kind of a, he's a, let me just see quick. He's a left wing slash center. So he's a little bit versatile, a little bit older, but they seem to think that he's got uh, you know, the ability to play in the NHL. And Russo also did mention on his podcast that he released this afternoon with Anthony LaPanta that he thinks, you know, with depending on how many guys come off the COVID list the next couple of days and if the wild play next week that uh, you could see prospects like, you know, along with the Mayhews and Johnsons, you could see, you know, guys like Dewar and, uh, and obviously Addison potentially come up. So I think he's kind of an interesting uh, player from the sense that uh, he might not be very much locked when he gets to the NHL, but he's a guy who, uh, could very well be in the NHL sooner rather than later. Yeah, his was one of the names I was surprised not to see, even in, not even in the honorable mentions. And the other one for me was Brandon Duheim. Mm-hmm. Who, and like Duheim, I think is kind of like Jack McBain light in a way. Mm-hmm. Like I, like Duheim, I, I could see him as kind of like a 13th forward type, like a guy that's going to fill in when they need someone to fill in. But I still feel like he could yeah. be really good, like fourth line center. He's physical. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's off to a decent start. He's got, I think, four. He's got two goals, two assists, I think, through Iowa's first three games. So he's been off to a decent start there, too. But to not even see those two names brought up even as honorable mentions might, one, be a testament to just the depth of the Wilds prospect mm-hmm. pool. Um, but it's something we could bring up. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely ask Scott about, because I think that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff we want to ask Scott next week. It's, hey, here's what, you know, what what, what do you see in this player, maybe, that, that mm-hmm. we haven't seen? Because, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I, I don't have a chance to watch and dive into these guys' level. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take his word over my own opinion all every day of the week, just because he, this is what he dedicates his craft to. But um, those are two guys that I agree with. He's like, Duar, especially I've liked him out of, out of the draft too. Um, but yeah, I think those are, those are, that's a really good name to bring up. Um, but yeah. So uh, anything else guys here on, uh, on the wild prospect pool? I think we, I think we touched on it pretty good with our opinions so we can leave most mm-hmm. of the talking to Scott um, next week. No, I think I'm good. All right. Well, we still managed to do uh, quite a few oh, here, um, <laughs> despite losing, as uh, Zeke alluded to, probably about a 30, 35-minute interview with uh, Aaron Lowry. But she has, like as we said before, graciously agreed to join us um, here soon. Um, we're waiting for the wild schedule to be updated so we can find an off day, because uh, obviously an off day uh, for her would free up time for uh, all four of us to, to jump on again, and we'll find a way to make it work and get her on. Um, so sorry that we couldn't bring in that show today, but hopefully uh, we stuck a lot of today's show. I think we covered a lot of really good stuff, um, a lot of prospect talk, talk today, which was fun. We haven't done that mm-hmm. much since the yeah. draft, so it's fun to dive back into that. And next week, we won't screw it up. Um, we're going to have Scott Wheeler <laughs> of The Athletic to talk uh, even more in depth at about wild prospects uh, than we did tonight. Um, guys, any parting thoughts here uh, b- before we sign off um, on this hour and a, almost hour and a half long show? Well... Uh, just a quick fantasy hockey update. Uh, our team is currently winning 41 to 34.6 thanks to uh, Nino Niederreiter goal tonight. So shout out to him for being, uh, you know, 
He's on a tear right now. Yeah, he's yeah. he wasn't great last year, but uh, no, it's good to see him there doing good. It's the Nino hot streak. You got to ride it because yeah. it's going <laughs> to disappear. And, and this is coming from a huge Nino fan. Like outside of oh, yeah. you, Nino's easily my second favorite player. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got to ride the hot streak, Nino, because when he's hot, he's hot. Mm-hmm. Not right now. Do we also have Trocheck too? Yeah, I think yeah we do. Yep. And they're on a line again. That line's been cooking. Oh yeah, they had a couple points each tonight, I believe. So heck yeah, good job. Good to see it. Nice pickup. Not that uh, Rhymer one though. Not yeah. good. Not good. Uh, yeah. Hey, good news though. I did. Fu- um, I picked up Mike Smith. I have another goalie to start in uh in in the league. <laughs> um, I'm gonna see. Did Edmonton was winning at the time we started recording? Did they uh did they hold off? think yeah oh, we did we got a shutout baby let's go <laughs> <laughs> off waivers oh, in the man. lineup for a 14.6 point start let's That's go funny. oh man for those that don't know um in our listener league um for those of you that are in it you probably know from the group chat but those that aren't that maybe don't care but uh i had four goalies um two of them were on ir the other one was on the covid list and then i had james reimer who'd been getting torched um mm. so today i have desperation to find a new goalie I dropped Linus Allmark of the Buffalo Sabres, who's, whose team is in COVID protocol, scooped up Mike Smith, who made a start tonight for the Oilers, and got me a shutout. So huge, huge play. Awesome management there um, as well. So just a funny little uh, story there. But uh, tangenting again, but hey, that's what we're doing on this show tonight because we can. We're getting out our frustrations uh, via the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Justin, any parting thoughts from you here before we sign off? Uh, mine's kind of different. Uh, not really hockey-related at all, but uh, I just want to – um, give my condolences to the the nurse that was or the MA that was lost this week in the uh, uh, Buffalo shooting. Uh, we all know what happened, you know, or maybe people don't know. Basically, in a line, a clinic got shot up, and five people got shot, and it kind of hits home because I work for Lina, and really could have happened at any of these clinics, and um, it's just kind of sad to see and kind of hits home. So I just want to give my condolences out to them. Yeah, Buffalo, as much as they're my, as my rival city, I mean, Buffalo's pretty much as close as it can be to my backyard without being my backyard. So I'm in St. Michael, which Buffalo's the next town over. So, And you guys with Maple Grove, it's not far from where you guys are. Mm-hmm. Either, so right. definitely condolences out there. It's just it's a – healthcare workers have it rough as it is, and for someone yeah. like that to uh, – right. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that will do it uh, for today, guys. Uh, before we sign off, uh, remind everyone they can find you and your work. Uh, Zeke, we'll uh, we'll start with you. What what do you got to plug? Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter, like usual, at uh, zbwildnation underscore hw. And then uh, you know, coming up here, obviously, once the wilds get going, you can again, you can find uh, all my writing and other kind of work like that at hockeywilderness.com. And Justin, what about you and your many hats? Uh, you can find me at CEs2004. You can find me at Capri Sub Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with the, the team over there at Wild Prospects and Young Players. All right. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well. We're coming up on 700. Um, which I think sounds a hundred more than where we were at last week. So just continue to get in the love there uh, at sound, the foghorn, all one word on Twitter. We are also on Instagram, same tag there at sound, the foghorn. Um, be sure you're following us there on both high quality memes, analyst um, analysis, Caprice soft content. We got it all there uh, at sound, the foghorn. So be sure you're following along. If you're not 
already. But that'll do it for today's show. Scott Wheeler of The Athletic joins us next week, and then hopefully sometime in the near future, uh, we'll get Erin Lowry on actually um, and actually record what she's saying instead of just having a conversation. But that's all for today. This has been another episode of Sound the Bottom.